Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Future Tech. It's me, Charlie Sell, the board director of Major Group, where I get a chance to speak to CTOs, thought leaders, people who have built careers within STEM uh, industries and subjects, and find out a bit about their story. Um, we'll always talk about a topic close to their hearts, and we always finish on that one or two bits of career advice. So I'm really pleased uh, on today's episode because I've got someone who's actually built a business around supporting young people. Um, and so I want to welcome James Yorston to the podcast. James is the CTO of Zero Gravity. And Zero Gravity is a digital platform that supports low opportunity young people into university or early careers. And James will explain um, more about what that actually means. But it's it, it can't be more relevant to, to the purpose of this podcast or future tech. So I'm really, really looking forward to picking James's brain and, and his thoughts on how he's been able to create a digital platform around it. But as always, we want to start with welcoming James to the podcast. And James, tell us a bit about your story. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. So my story starts in the Midlands. I went to school in the town of Rugby and I went to a good school. I went to a, a good grammar school there, but I kind of did okay uh, at my GCSEs. And I think that was primarily because I wasn't, I hadn't found what it is that I really wanted to do as many young people struggle with, right? So the UK system and many systems, um, around the world they kind of forced people to make a decision quite early and at 16 my school didn't really offer uh, anything to do with technology particularly we had IT which was the closest but it wasn't very good um, so I did okay uh, at at my GCSEs and then I uh, did my A-levels at the school as well and again did pretty well at those actually got a bit better but I was faced with the decision of what to do after that and I looked at universities and I did apply to study um, computer science. And I, I got a, a place at, at University College in London, but coming from the Midlands, the cost of it uh, in comparison to the cost of living where I was from was absolutely enormous. So I kind of took the approach that many of my peers did, which was to kind of stay local. So I ended up joining a business in the town of Leamington Spa, which is not too far away from rugby, which was a tech startup called Corso. It was about three or four people there and they were building a B2B SaaS product. And uh, age kind of, I think it was age 19 at the time, age 19 to 20, went through the process of scaling that company up and then moving it on towards an acquisition when it got bought out by um, an American company. And that was kind of my first foray into the world of kind of high growth tech startups, which is quite something to kind of having seen at such a young age. And at that point, I kind of felt armed with the programming knowledge that I developed as I was a software developer there to kind of really go after that myself. So I went ultimately to go and study computer science, but I was working on side projects in my own time. So I was building apps. I joined another startup based in the Midlands in the spare time whilst I was at university, which that went on to be bought out as well. And after university, I then went on to work in finance as I'd learned about that area. I thought it was like a good space to get myself into to kind of help my career, help my background. <clears throat> was there for a little while, moved on to 
a head of engineering job uh, at a business in London called Toshi. Again, I joined that super early. That's gone on to have a corporate funding round and doing really well, just launched in LA, scaled up massively. And then ultimately, I decided that the time was right for me to start my own business. So I was going through the process of um, Entrepreneur First, which is a kind of founders um, tech accelerator here in London. Um, and that's actually where I met Joe, not on Entrepreneur First, but at that, that time, who's the founder of um, Zero Gravity. And he had a, had a similar experience to me in that he'd come from a kind of place uh or a town in in yorkshire just outside of leeds called morley where he had kind of battled against the state system um and made his way through to oxford and he had built a brand and had an idea for a tech product um that could really help young people around the uk make that transition from areas where people didn't know a lot right i was kind of really inspired by that mission by joe himself by the brand um that i decided to join with with Joe, and at the time we were only four people, um, and we've now scaled that out to eight thousand students in the UK. The business is growing um, really successfully. We're now about twenty-five full-time staff undergoing our Series A fundraise. So that's that's a short kind of that's a ten-year history condensed <laughs> in as much short time as I can. But here I am. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's fantastic. And. What, what I love about that story, and as you mentioned, is at such a young age, when you're 18, 19, you got to experience what it is to be part of a high-tech, high-growth business going through an acquisition. And, and you know, I imagine there have been many learnings along the way and then and then being able to then go back into studies to realise, well, actually, I want to get a foundation in this if I'm then going to move forward. It Was that all part of a plan or did that sort of roll out through life events, essentially? Definitely not. So I think um, there's, a, there's bits of context that I think are really important because I think actually the UK was different 10 years ago. So in the Midlands, I think I wanted a sense of um, freedom. 18, I wanted to move out of my parents' house. And universities are great escape to do that. But I realised based on where I'd applied to university anyway, that the cost of living was going to be enormous and the student loan wasn't going to cover it. So I decided to um, move out uh, and the Midlands was, was really cheap at that time. Certainly rugby was. So actually our super junior software developer salary allowed me to get the, the freedom and, and live on my own. Um, and probably a bigger place than I live in now in London, to be honest. So um, that was kind of the main motivating factor. There was, there was definitely no, you know, there was definitely no master plan. At the, at the end of the day, I was 19 years old. And what I what I realized was I wanted to work in technology and I wanted to be a programmer. And I wasn't entirely convinced at that time that doing a computer science degree was the best route to do that. After a year of working and seeing that and seeing the value that of people that I'd worked with who'd done a degree, I decided it was, but I kind of made up my own mind. And I've always been slightly um, defiant and uh, I suppose in going against the status quo in terms of just believing that going to university is is the best thing you can do automatically and, and I say that as somebody who you know helps run a business that helps people into university right but I think that's the key learning for me was follow your own path and work out what it is right for you I ultimately ended up going but only after I'd had some experience myself and really seen um, what the value could be yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that's just so refreshing to hear, I guess, because taking that life experience to then make the decisions is as, as important or, or can be even more beneficial than following a straight path through academia. And um, I remember watching one of, uh, there was a clip on, on LinkedIn for Zero Gravity of this really inspiring guy who got into, I think it was Oxford or Cambridge, so a single, being a single mum, mm-hmm. son of a single yeah. mum, and having to work his way through. Um, and, and then he was talking about how how through through the platform he's been able to, to, to get that space. So yeah. for, for a lot of our other young listeners, people who are in that similar sort of situation, how how does zero gravity actually help people? And what has been your learnings, um, you know, when looking at young people to, to give them that confidence to go, yeah, you know, to go into studies or or to follow their, their heart, I guess. Sure. So, yeah, the guy you're referring to is, I think, is a guy called Callum, who's um, now studying uh, law at Cambridge. I met him, actually. He was at our, one of our fundraising dinners. Such a great guy. And, and, and I really do recommend people to read that story as it's really, really inspiring. That's Those kind of people are all over our platform, right? So I think the, what I would say about how Zero Gravity works and then um, how uh, what, what we've learned is what essentially that we do is we match people with a mentor who's one step further in their personal development journey than you are. So in the case of Calum, he was matched with um, a mentor. And in the case of all of our mentees, a matched with a mentor on the platform who guide them into getting into their desired course and desired university. For example, let's take let's take me. If I wanted to study computer science at Cambridge, there would be an entrance exam. I would need to first get fantastic A-levels. The mentor can just give you a step-by-step breakdown of actually what are the steps required, which in many state schools in the UK, that, that guidance just simply isn't there, right? Depending on how good your schools are, and you know, this is something that's known about the private school system in the UK, is they're much better at giving support and advice on actually how to get into the top institutions in the UK. That can happen. Um, but even my school, which was a which was a state funded school, but a grammar school, the support for for top institutions actually just wasn't there, and that's supposedly you know a, a really good state funded school. So that's principally where we help, as we match you with the mentor. They can break down the steps required and actually give you first hand advice, and that's kind of the point of the platform is that we're trying to break down that those barriers that that people from these backgrounds have. Whereas if you're from a, a kind of a higher income, um, high opportunity area in the UK, you, your dad, your your parents, your wider support network has probably been to an institution like this and can give you real advice. Many people in the UK, it just doesn't exist, right? So that's that's principally how we do it. And the kind of, we've been peer reviewed by um, UCAS, who's proved that we've two to three X, the chance of getting into a top institution. And like I said, we've now supported uh, 8,000 people into university, 400 of which have gone into uh, Oxford or Cambridge. I have to check my stats, but I believe now one in five people um, from uh, lower opportunity backgrounds at Oxford and Cambridge have actually come through the zero gravity platform. So we are definitely making a a big effect, um, having a big effect on on people like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And and as I said, it's it's inspiring to hear that, that you've been able to create a business to do that support. And so, 
using people like Cullen, but also just as young people in general and, and having a mentor, I, I just couldn't agree how, how important that is. So having a platform to have that access that, that people wouldn't. When thinking about other forms, you know, so people from low opportunities, but we also look at people from, you know, um, neurodiverse backgrounds, obviously you cover social economic backgrounds, sure. um, gender diversity. Do you think the world is changing um, slowly that, that, that education and companies are, are starting to be more aware of the need for diversity in their companies? Certainly. So I think there's a big push, right? And I think um, Gen Z, the upcoming generation, you know, into the workforce, well, they're certainly early in the workforce now already, they are... Uh, have a very strong views on these kind of topics. So they are often actually the thought leaders in this, which is which is good to see. I think um, certainly from the um, standpoint of uh, gender, ethnicity, I think that's been going on for a little while now. And frankly, I think basically every company seems to be aware that that's just a good thing uh, to have, right? And that like a more diverse workforce uh, is a better workforce. Um, and I think in terms of neurodiversity, things like that, I think absolutely it's it's all shifting right and again, principally because of awareness of these kind of topics. I think you're seeing companies embrace um, all of these angles quite heavily. From us on the social mobility side of things, I think that's where it's been um, interesting. You've had certain companies champion that, particularly the big corporates, but I think now you're seeing um smaller organizations realize the value of that kind of diversity which is that typically people have come from um you know a background that's put a lot of barriers up in front of them they've had to overcome a lot which as an individual instills a certain sense of rigor discipline grit which is principally what the employers who partner with us are actually after in terms of uh candidates that they want to hire right there's you know sure someone can be really smart and can have all the kind of the, the skills in place, but all workplaces are going to have challenges. Um, so to have somebody who's kind of fought against those things to get to um, a point in their life, I think is what's really interesting and why, frankly, uh, you know, a business like ours um, makes sense uh, for them to partner with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as you say, to be able to show resilience and, and persistence and, you know, the, there's, there's opportunities for people to do that outside of being able to study, isn't it? And, and, and to be able to bring in life experience. But again, I guess what we're saying here is a mentor may even be able to help you learn how to use life experience and tailor and word it or, or, or use it to, to get to take that, that thing that people are looking for. So if we move on and think a little bit about zero gravity then and, and the business you, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're, you're going through your series yourself, you're 25 people and, and, and you know, yeah. I'm sure you've got aspirations to grow that. I know you've got aspirations to grow the business. How important is it for you when you look at culture and, and what does culture yeah. mean to you when, when you're thinking about scaling your own business? Yeah, it's, it's massive actually. So, um, when I joined zero gravity with Joe, we made a very big deal extremely early on when there was still only four or five people in the organization to um, build a very strong culture. That's for a couple of reasons. One, because startups are pretty hard work. So um, you need to have something that for people to feel a part of. 
beyond the kind of grind. Otherwise, you're going to fall apart, right? And and the staff is the lifeblood of a startup. Like there's no, there's there's always an element of kind of vision coming down from the top, so to say. But at the end of the day, you know, you can only be one person. So it is your wider team that actually makes, uh, you know, the business a reality, right? So we wanted to build something really, really strong there. The way that we've done it is frankly by um, going really hard on it in terms of, I think, company and organization policies. And what I mean by that is that we have um, four values to talk about what those things are briefly. They're not kind of vacuous sound bites. They're things like run towards danger, stand up straight, and we talk about them every day. So um, the example of stand up straight is basically saying exactly what you mean at all points. It's like the kind of radical candor mindset in a startup, which is very flat, that works really well. Then beyond that, we do things like um, have uh, weekly, um, so bi-weekly culture sessions. So every Wednesday, we actually have a culture session, which is basically a kind of tribal all hands scenario where people talk about any cultural issues they've seen in the business. Um, we have very strong socials. So as a business, we've invested heavily into taking every person out every person in the company out uh, again every two weeks so we go out typically drinks meals that kind of things it's an enormous cost but worth it in terms of team bonding and fostering um, relationships amongst the team then also we have a kind of continuous high performance framework so we do quarterly um 360 feedback sessions which is every part of the business so that's peer up and down in terms of manager and then um, uh, you know, part of the wider team as well. That's brutal, but again, really good at kind of driving the feedback or feeling, feeling like you're um, heard in the business. And then kind of a general organization level, we have um, weekly all hands meetings where everybody um, kind of talks about interdepartmental um, issues and kind of what's going on and that people can talk about it. I think that works at, at our size, which is a seed stage startup. Um, but I think we we take a kind of pulse check um, and we use a, a tool called Lattice, which was, I think, the pick of our COO and our COO, Joe and Tom, which I would recommend um, as a kind of tool to help facilitate this in a growing business. So it helps you really get a, a sense of where your culture is at in the business. So we use that to kind of constantly automatically monitor the health of the business and what people are thinking as it takes little micro updates of people's sentiment. Um, and we score really highly. I think our employer NPS right now is 91. So uh, essentially what I'm saying is we take it seriously. We don't just say things. We actually have uh, policies that cost time and they cost an enormous amount of time, but they also cost quite a lot of money as well. But you have to do these things if you're serious about getting a good culture. And we made that decision and built it into the uh, the mm. budget. Yeah. And, you know, and, and kudos to you for doing that at such an, at, like you said, at the startup stage, because if you get the best bit of advice I, I, I can offer people, but I've also seen is get the culture right from day one and you can scale it. It's very, very hard to Absolutely. try and evolve a culture once once the, the, the business has found an entity, you know, uh, um, yeah, it's got a pulse, I guess. And um, and well, you know, as always, time flies by when, when speaking to people like yourself. And I could speak to you for hours, and especially about <laughs> the crossover of your platform versus how you're actually building your own business. But in in essence of or, or keeping an eye on on um, our listeners, let's move on to those one or two bits of career advice. So when you're interviewing or, or if you're speaking to friends who are, who are getting into that first job, um, 
what what one or two bits of advice could would you give someone to to really be able to stand out from the crowd so i think the first thing that and it's the kind of the stuff that your dad would say which is be enthusiastic okay like i think the the main reason that i see and and i'll tell you why I, this is fresh off is that we are hiring for um six interns at each department inside zero gravity right now so i have just personally reviewed over a hundred applicants to a software engineering internship position inside our business and there are 500 more that the wider team has reviewed okay so this this is completely fresh off the press advice for, for really young people okay be be enthusiastic and have something about you okay and i know that's that's very thin advice okay but just being yourself being kind of having an air of um confidence I think is crucial, right? We saw far too many applications that were just a bit um, too shrinking violet and it's it's difficult to stand out. Again, you know, that's something that people would typically cover with their mentors in zero gravity, sorry to plug, but it's true. Um, the second part is, is, to, is to remove barriers to saying no, okay? So understanding what it is that the job the internship, whatever it may be, the, the the course, even if you're going to university, what are they what are they actually looking for? And if you don't have that thing, which you might not, and typically you won't have everything, how can you remove those barriers or obstacles to them saying no? So, for example, let's take somebody um, who's starting out as a software engineer, right? A typical barrier that you would see all the time is they don't have any commercial experience. Okay. That's like the biggest barrier. Okay. So how can you remove those things? Well, you need to show off something that you've done um, that's akin to commercial work experience. That could be working on projects, building an app, um, something, some university work, bring something to show, to show the interviewer or the person uh, assessing the application that, okay, you don't have everything there, but you know, you've got something to help me make up my mind that actually you can do the job because ultimately that's what an employer is looking for they, they, they want someone to come in to do the job everyone will say they're looking for kind of you know innate intelligence or personality traits sure that is true absolutely but ultimately you're being hired to do a job right and for me removing those barriers uh is crucial last one would always be culture fit that's the kind of the kind of Again, very thin piece of advice is that people say, you know, what is culture fit? I think ultimately every business is going to have its own unique culture. Some companies are super cutthroat about adhering to certain values or principles. Um, Amazon is famously brutal for looking at these leadership traits or, or Amazon traits that they call them. Um, my opinion is just to be, again, kind of like a nice human being. Um, it, but if you are if you're nice um, and you're normal, so to say, and you are just kind of in the middle i would say you can't particularly offend anybody and you can't uh and you may not over index right that that approach in my opinion is going to net you the best result certainly if you're a junior in your career right sure you might not get the opportunity that's looking for something super specific but if you go too heavily in one direction you may put other people off so my opinion my my um biggest piece of advice for people certainly young people is just be themselves act natural, have an air of confidence within you, right? And work on these things. They can be practiced, they can be learned. Um, I know when back when I was at university, this was the dreaded part about interviews that, that me and my um, cohort of colleagues would always, it was like, I had, you know, these culture interviews at big tech companies, right? I think just 
take a middle ground with this, like try not to over-index in any direction, be yourself, just act natural. Yeah, what, what, what great three bits of advice and, and actually really quite unique, you know, having having done this podcast now for six or seven series, it's, it's always refreshing to um, to hear a, a viewpoint that isn't always commonly known and removing the barriers to saying no, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and if, if people can do their research on the company they're joining and, and try to find out what those potential barriers are to have, yeah, to have that in your locker or, or up your sleeve to be able to give those relevant working examples just that's fantastic um and then the enthusiasm as you say you, you don't want to be false do you but you do need to show no. that you um you know that you want the job you want to be part of that business you want to you want to uh, make a difference and and um and as you say that can be taught so or practiced so, so james thank you that has been really really fantastic and some really really good um bits of advice as well as yeah loving to hear about how how your business alone supports young people many of us who will hopefully be listening to the podcast so um yeah from me thank you james how did you find it yeah thank you charlie super super fun right i love talking about this kind of stuff so uh really enjoyed it yeah brilliant well thank you for being a guest and to um to the listeners that's another episode of our future tech podcast as always, it's shared with the STEM Ambassador Association and it's on the Arrows Group forward slash podcast webpage um, and look out for it on LinkedIn. So once more, a massive thank you to James for being on the podcast. Thanks very much. <laughs> and to our listeners, that's another episode of Future Tech. Thank you. Thank you.